When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey. If you need him, it's trouble. Why so, is it trouble? So two is because he's young and he's going to struggle at times. Judd Zolgad. I changed my thought from a half hour ago. You are a bad person. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. There's a deep drive to left. Wow. And Escobar tees off and hits one into the second deck. A big two-run home run by Escobar. And the Twins have busted it open 7-1. Mighty Mouse. It's your time, buddy. Fly. You know, it's kind of how you draw it up. You try to stay close, and then you add on when you get a lead, and everyone else does their job coming out of the bullpen. So it's a good win. We're playing better. I, I think execution in all phases has been improving, um, especially over the last handful of days. Uh, we know the Cardinals and their tradition and what they can do. Um, maybe we caught them at the right time. Who knows? But we'll see them again next week. What do you make of this? I was going. I was on Twitter last night. Dave saw some of these too. Reavers was. I'm going to find his Twitter account here. Reavers was in full form on Twitter. Twitter. Oh, we night. were a few in last night. But I don't even. I don't know if he was a few in. I don't even really disagree with some of the stuff he was tweeting about Miguel Sano. Mm-hmm. Reavers is very anti-Sano. Okay. And uh, let me find these. He was interacting with somebody named Tom at one point. He said, it's not a coincidence the Twins started to play better baseball when Miguel Sano was no longer in the field. Yes, the starting pitchers pitching's been better the last six games, but you also need guys who can make plays and catch the ball, to which a guy named Tom responds, uh, they went 2-3 and three without him before they played the Sox. They give up 23. Tom is arguing the point. And right. I love when Reavers, condescending Reavers, gets on Twitter and implements the name of the person who tweets at him as kind of like as like a shameful way, as if like when I would say, oh, with like, like a kid, okay, Judd, right? Uh-huh. Reavers goes, so the run they went on to close the season last year and make the wild card must have been a coincidence in your mind, Tom. <laughs> oh, you threw it in at the end, but I saw even worse. I saw his tweet that you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check that. How are the twins without Miguel Sano in the lineup? And according to my Burp Lyle California math. If you go back to the middle of last year and include the games he missed last year and the games he's missed so far this year, the Twins are 34 and 23 without Miguel Sano. That is a 97 win pace if you extrapolate for a full season. Now, does that mean that like they're better without Miguel Sano? I still think even with his flaws, his bat in the lineup and that power. So Tom was wrong. Partially wrong. Uh, I think in Reaver's mind, he would just jettison Miguel Sano, just get him off the island. We tried. There's a middle ground there somewhere, but the fact that they're 34 and 23 without him, going back to the middle of last year, and and you got Eduardo Escobar at third base picking it. He's just a better defender at third base, and there's not a huge gap offensively the last year between Miguel Sano and Eduardo Escobar. He's been one of their best hitters uh, the last couple of years or so. 
But what for, before we get into our organizational player value rankings here and where Sano ranks, what do you make of the fact that they are a 97-win pace team going back to the middle of last year without Miguel Sano? I make of it that as important as we deemed him to be at one time, that he's become a very one-dimensional player who can hit home runs. Uh, he's gone from being effective at the plate to, for the most part, being spotty. And that that might be a compliment. He he might not even be that. And uh, for as much as we do talk about his arm strength when he makes a play at third base, he does not not make enough by this point because mm-hmm. he's so big. I mean, the man fell down in a crucial in a crucial game. He fell down with the baseball. That's that's him right now. What made you more sad, Willie Mays falling down in the World Series or Miguel Sano falling down in that? Willie Mays made me sad. Sano made me mad. It, it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable, and that okay, Dr. that Chris. is a that is a snapshot of him right now. And so I'm not sad. It's self induced. Mays got old. That's sad. <laughs> so no, so no Sano fell. Sano fell down because it's it's a self induced. The the fact he's out of shape, overweight, and as I continue to say on this show, he doesn't take it seriously. He just doesn't. He doesn't take it seriously. That's a whiner. He's decided he's going to hit home runs. And that's it. That's him. Yeah, it, it, it like thirty four and twenty three. What's that? Like a fifty seven? Like it is a small sample size. I don't think it's something that you you would never look at that and say, "Oh my gosh!" Like this is an epiphany. Miguel Sano should just not play for the Twins. But it should tell you, especially if you're him. It should tell you if you're self aware. Man, I'm always injured. The team seems to be doing very well without me. Yep. In fact, right now, if you were to if you were to start creating a lineup and, and Snow came back from that hamstring injury, would it just be autumn? And, and Logan Morrison's been relatively hot the last no, few weeks. it's not automatic. And Joe Maurer's got a four-something on base percentage. I mean, the move you would make, I guess, is Eduardo Escobar to shortstop. But let's say Polanco comes back. I'm saying, I'm saying, like, it ain't, it's not a no-brainer that he would just be in your lineup on a daily basis if you think that Escobar has a hot bat and plays better defense and eventually Polanco comes back to shortstop. Miguel Sano has a lot of steps to take before well, he is one of the more valuable contributors to this team. And how how many times now has has Miguel Sano tweaked something and we've heard, give it a day or two, he'll be fine. And then it's three days. And then you're like, well, he's not going to be fine. And then it's the DL. And now he, he is going to, to be out through this trip on Sunday. And I can almost guarantee you it's going to go into the, the homestand that comes up when they get back from this road trip. And this is the Sano story. Because after he got hurt, the whole thing was, give it a day or two, he'll be fine. Mm -hmm. He's not fine. He's not fine. He's not fine in any way, shape, or form. It's also worth noting, too, one of the main reasons why this team made such a jump in the standings last year was defense. Defense, defense, defense. And that's despite, you know, Sano, the first half of the year, he gave you a lot with the bat, but he took away with the glove. He added more with the bat than he took away with the glove, but there was some give and take there. It's like, uh, there's like, Carl Anthony Towns will give you a lot offensively, but... He's gonna he's gonna ole on defense. Like there was an aspect of that. Um, if they're gonna continue to try and make their pitching better, and Buxton's gonna come back at some point here, defense should definitely be their top priority. They've got hitters. Brian Dozier can hit. Joe Maurer's gonna get on base forty to fifty percent of the time. Max Kepler has come alive. Eddie Rosario. So, um, like they they've proven without Snow they can score enough runs and they play better defense without him. Um, it's just like he no longer has a bunch of leverage. Remember a couple of years ago, he had a bunch of leverage. Hey, this is a 90 loss 
dumpster fire or yeah, 90 loss, 95, 96 losses, 99 one year, dumpster fire of a franchise. I'm here to save it. That's not the feeling you get anymore. You don't feel like, well, he no. needs to come back and save the season. He doesn't have that kind of leverage anymore. Not at all. Um, all right, let's because we ran long there. We let's let's rank our Twins player organizational rankings. When we come back here, we'll break a minute early, and we'll get to uh, Dan Hayes from the Athletic at the bottom of the hour from the TCL Broadcast Studios. It's Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Man, that sounds good. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Here's a deep drive to left, wow. and Escobar tees off. And hits one into the second deck. A big two-run home run by Escobar. And the Twins have busted it open 7-1. We're playing better. I think execution in all phases has been improving, um, especially over the last handful of days. Uh, we know the Cardinals and their tradition and what they can do. Um, maybe we caught them at the right time. Who knows? But we'll see them again next week. It's not exactly the old AT40. The countdown right, fire this up. But it's definitely a countdown worth paying attention to. How do I get ranked? Now, Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's rank them this way. And we'll start with number one because the drama probably builds as you get closer to number 10. Which is a really yeah. sad thing to have to say. It's, it's a little bit of a vague way to uh, characterize this ranking list, but Twins player value power rankings... All throughout the organization. Yep. So from 40-plus-year-old Fernando Rodney all the way down to the 18-year-old high school kids they drafted last June, who are the 10 most valuable players in this organization right now? Where would Miguel Sano rank? Where's Where's Buxton? You start. Okay. We only have a few. We're not going to play the sounder numbers because we only have like four. Of them. That's right. Okay. Number one on my list, Byron Buxton. Ooh. Has some problems staying on the field at times, uh, but his his value at the plate is potentially remains very high. His value in the field is known. Byron Buxton won. Number two, and yes, that this is recency bias, but it's probably deserved. Fernando Romero. Number two. Number two. Number three, Royce Lewis. At Cedar Rapids, I hope for uh, n- not much longer. Then he's going to be up with uh, class high class A Fort Myers, and, and I think by uh, 2019 at some point he is going to be fast tracked here. Royce Lewis, the uh, top overall pick in the draft by the Twins, is number three. Number four, Max Kepler. Max Kepler is turning himself into a, if not a star, a very very good player. Mm-hmm. Number five, he's inconsistent, but when he's good, he's very good. Eddie Rosario. Number six, Brian Dozier. Number seven, probably too low here, but that's fine. Jose Barrios. Real quick, like the the, the fact. So we're to seven right now, right? Yes, Jose um, Barrios. Is and seven. just to preserve some drama here, because you haven't listed Sano yet, and the fact that you've gone seven. Yep. Imagine like this conversation two years ago. Oh, that you would have gone seven deep. And I'm not even fighting you on it. Like the fact that you'd go seven deep in the organization and Miguel Sano is his not fir- one of his first year when when uh, Sano got called up on July first, he would have been probably in my top three easily. Yeah. Actually, number seven, Jose Barrios. Number eight, Nick Gordon. He's uh, at Double H Chattanooga right now, hitting three twenty five, two home runs, fifteen RBIs. Nick Gordon is eighth on my list. Number nine could be higher. Could be higher. And he'll be up here soon. Steven Gonsalves. 
Uh, he is 2-0 with a 0.63 ERA and two starts at AAA Rochester. Mm. And that came after he was promoted uh, from AA Chattanooga after going 3-0 with a 1.77 ERA. Steven Gonsalves, 9. This was not easy. Number 10 was not simple for me. I've written down... Is it Miguel Sano? I've written is down... Miguel Sano in your 10? I've written down three names. I've crossed them all off and put one back on. Number ten on my list. Let's do uh, do the runners up. Okay, who's number twelve? Eddie Escobar. He almost made it. I crossed him off. Yeah. So then it came down to two players. Miguel Sano was one of those players. Ultimately, he lost out. Wow. Jake Odorizzi. Wow. Okay. A starting pitcher who has good stuff, who I like a lot. So it was not a simple decision to leave Sano off, but when you consider the fact that he can't stay on the field, that, as you said, the Twins' record without him is actually pretty decent. It's very respectable. Miguel Sano lost out to Jake Odorizzi. Wow. All right, let me go through mine, and then we can can, uh, discuss here. We we actually uh, differ at the top a little bit. My number one most valuable player in the Twins organization right now is Royce Lewis. And I and I say that in part because he hasn't. No, well, two reasons. Well, three actually. Uh, he's awesome. <laughs> That's one. The guy is hitting, and he's at Cedar Rapids, so he's still he's still pretty far away from the big leagues. But the way that he's been performing, he's hitting like three seventy or three eighty right now at Cedar Rapids. He'll be in Fort Myers probably within a month, and then if he starts to really hit Fort Myers pitching, now we're talking about maybe a two thousand nineteen call up at some point. So. He's awesome. Number two, he hasn't damaged his value by performing poorly in the major leagues. There's just a certain mystique about top prospects who are crushing in the minors before they fail in the major leagues, even in their first stint. It just like it it makes you think twice a little bit when a guy comes up and struggles and you're like, oh, maybe he's not as good. But really, that's just a natural progression for non-Bryce Harper type players right. that they need to struggle a little bit. And then number three, the number one overall pick position player hasn't really busted in 30 years. Like Delman Young is the closest bust number one overall position player in the last 20 years. And even he had like two or three really good years. He had MVP votes one year. So if, if and Delman Young had major maturity issues and, and he had off the field things, he couldn't control his weight. Those aren't going to be problems for Royce Lewis and he plays shortstop. So, so for those three reasons, I think Royce Lewis is the most valuable commodity or player in the Twins organization. Number two, Jose Barrios. He's a pitcher, so position value. Uh, he's he's shown an ability to, at, at his best, be maybe one of the top 15 starting pitchers in baseball. Still working on the consistency thing there, but age, stuff, his upside, his makeup, everything, he has ace written all over him, and so he's number two, and I've got Buxton number three on my list. Buxton okay. would have been number one a year ago, but... The fact that injuries and inconsistent hitting have decreased his value, I, I put him I put him behind both Barrios and Royce Lewis. Number four, Eddie Rosario. I wouldn't have said this at all a couple years ago, but he has absolutely tightened his strike zone. He's a, a pretty good, if not sometimes spectacular, defensive outfielder. Mm-hmm. And uh and he's just one of the more exciting players in probably in the major leagues too. He just hits the ball all over the place and and he's become a power threat. He's become a guy who can uh, score runs from anywhere on the base path. So Eddie Rosario, number four. 
Number five, Fernando. Fernando Romero. Yep. Stuff, you've got the combination of highly touted minor leaguer, and now he's translated immediately his first two starts in the major leagues. Doesn't mean that there won't be speed bumps, but the fact that he comes up right away and the light bulb goes on without any roadblocks like Fernando or like uh, Jose Barrios had. So he's number five. Number six, Max Kepler. Number seven, Brian Dozier. <laughs> okay. All right. Number eight, I have Steven Gonsalves, number eight. Number yeah. one, he's he's a left-handed pitcher. Big, tall, strong left-handed pitcher. So far this season in a combination of uh, A and AAA starts, six of them, he has a 1.30 earned run average, strikes out 10 batters per nine, and has allowed only 15 hits in 34 and two-thirds innings. Been dominating. He's been completely untouchable in, in at the highest levels of the minor leagues. And so, again, he hasn't he hasn't struggled in the majors, which would decrease his value to some people. Uh, so he's he's on my list. And then I put Miguel Sano ninth, but I'm not married to it. Okay. His only attribute right now is power, and he's not even on the field. So he's ninth. I've got Nick Gordon 10, and then... Uh, I didn't put Escobar in my you know, in my honorable mentions mostly because of age, but I I mean I, he's only 29, he's not super old. But then I have Brent Rooker. If Brent Rooker hadn't gotten off to a slow start this year in the minor leagues, I would have put him for sure above Miguel Sano. Yep. Um, but uh, Brent Rooker is kind of on the outside looking in, and then Jake Odorizzi. He's 28 years old. He's a good solid mid rotation starting pitcher. So so I guess number nine so in nine. the organization okay. for I have Miguel Sano. Um, yeah, I, I Royce Lewis. I, I wouldn't argue if you want to put Buxton up there, but the fact that Royce Lewis looks like a fast track guy, super mature for his age. He's he doesn't strike out. He's patient at the plate. Right. He he might stick at shortstop. And the point term. and the point of, of this is though is to to say how, how far has Sano fallen? Basically, that's the thing. I mean, because you you could take this top ten and and for the most part jumble it, but the fact that I didn't put him on my list and. You've got him ninth three years after he would have been easily top three, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, he's one or two. Well, another way to look at this list, too, is if another team called you, what would they have to give you? And then, like, rank the packages in order of what they'd have to give you to pry that player away. And I think Royce Lewis is number one. Just like if you traded Royce Lewis right now, if the Twins were in the hunt and they were, and they said, you know, we're going to trade Royce Lewis, they would get the absolute best. Like, it, it would be Chris Archer and maybe the Rays throwing something in. Yeah. Uh, and Archer's been off to kind of a slow start too, right? Yes, he has not been great. But if a team came to you and said, you know, we're interested in both Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano or Fernando Romero and Miguel Sano, the amount they'd have to give you to take Fernando Romero off your hands compared to Miguel Sano is enormous. such a wide gap, right? So that was part of my logic in thinking about this list. Yep. Uh, and Brian Dozier might only contract definitely matters. Brian Dozier only has four months left on his contract, but if you were to trade Brian Dozier right now, you'd get a really good prospect for him. Yep, and, he's one of the best position players this, in the game. And this is the very reason why they shopped Sano so much when they were trying to make a trade with Tampa Bay. It makes perfect sense because now, now if you call up a team and say, "Hey, you know what? I mean, he's going to be healthy," they're going to laugh at you. Mm-hmm. They're going to laugh at you and say, "We'll give you almost nothing yeah. for him." Uh, Joe tweets into the show, hey, your MVP list, MVP is the wrong, it's just, like we're talking player value, I guess, I don't know, maybe that's most valuable player, whatever, however you want to phrase it, but he says, your list includes a lot of guys who've never been to the show, but no Irvin Santana, Irvin's 35, he's coming off he an injury, he doesn't make my list, and he's, 
his contract matters here. You got to keep in mind, like Irvin Santana is going to be because his option for next year vests at two hundred innings. He does not make. He's not going to reach two hundred innings. So he becomes a free agent in four he's months. A ni- he's a nice pitcher, but he he would not if if he was healthy now, it, it'd be tough to make my top ten. Yeah, you're if not he was gonna, pitching right now, it'd be tough. If you put him on the block, you're not going to get someone's top no. five prospect or top ten prospect. No. So. Uh, Chad uh, Chad says Buxton would be number one here on Twitter. He's got Kepler number three, Rosario number two, and then he puts he's, oh he, he must have just been doing the major league roster here because he's got Fernando Rodney number nine on his list. That's not the spirit of the starting pitching, Chad though. Yeah, Romero Brios starting pitching. If you get if Romero Brios and Gonzalez work out, it's going to be a different world here. Yeah, and honestly, like completely Gon- different world. Gonzalez is pounding on the door right now. So we sit here and we talk about Irving coming back and what's the what's the log jam going to look like? You're going to have to say goodbye to Lance Lynn at some <laughs> That's point. It's not going to be tough. I mean, you're going to my guess is they call Gonzalez up to pitch out of the bullpen maybe in a month or two and just say, "All right, you're going to you're going to be like a 2-3 inning firefighter that we bring in 6th inning, 7th inning type if it works." Yeah, and he's going to be he's going to be a guy that comes in and pitches big innings out of the bullpen. That can keep his innings down too. Because I don't think Gonsalves has pitched more than 130 or 140 innings in the season, which is how a lot of minor leaguers are. Sure. So you could have him start for the first two months in the minors and then come in, be a flame-throwing reliever that helps you in the second half, and then he goes into the starting rotation next year. One-year Lance Lynn, baby. That's that's what you got. One-year Lance Lynn. If you go, if, if things work as they are expected to, and you go to spring training with Romero, Barrios, and Gonsalves, People are gonna. People aren't going to recognize this team. Yeah, Odorizzi, who's solid, but if Who'll he's your fourth or four. fifth guy, that'd be even better. That'll be it. Correct. Let's we'll talk. Let's bring some of this up with Dan Hayes from the Athletic when we come back. We'll talk more Twins. Uh, first, a word for the number one Remax results team in America, the Chris Lindahl team, helping you get rid of your sellophobia, which is a pretty common thing right now. It's a seller's market where you're a little bit scared to sell your home or put it on the market because. You're looking ahead saying, all right, a lot of people are like, they'll put their house on the market and then that thing goes within three or five days. Well, well okay, what am I buying? I don't want to, I don't want to settle for something uh, less than what my family wants just because my home sold quickly. I don't want to have to live in a transition home or go back and live with the parent. I don't want to have to move twice. Well, the Chris Lindahl team has access, exclusive access to thousands more homes available than you would think when you just go and look at the standard online MLS systems. Chris Lindahl and his team have an exclusive way to tap into a huge market so you never have to worry about sellophobia and uh, getting stuck in some sort of a middle ground ever again. ChrisLindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now with the man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. Courtesy of Prime Mortgage Lending of Bloomington. Home is where your story begins. All right, twins. Ever since Derek Wetmore stuck a fork in them on 1500ESPN.com, they haven't really lost. They've just been winning every game. I just declared him dad. I don't know what you're talking about. They destroy St. Louis in two games. Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash twins. And you can read all kinds of stuff from Dan, including three questions about the Twins' winning streak. Uh, so let's let's just continue this conversation we were having. Dan, we were discussing the abundance of young pitching here that appears to be bubbling. And this is a first-world problem that the Twins aren't used to. But Steven Gonsalves has an ERA under a run and a half for AA and AAA. Uh, he's a lefty. He's big, tall, looks the part. 
We're talking about a logjam when Irvin Santana comes back. What do you do with that fifth spot? What if Gonsalves is ready too? Is is would they put a guy like Gonsalves in the bullpen to be a multi-inning sort of relief ace for the rest of the year and uh, and then maybe consider him as a starter next year? Like, what are some options for this first world problem? Yeah, it is really difficult to to kind of assess because I mean, if if this staff is healthy at this point when Irvin Santana comes back, what do you do then? Because you're looking at the back end of the bullpen, and, and they've shown some consistency there. Uh, Trevor Hildenberger's actually looked really sharp the last week. Uh, Taylor Rogers had an outing or two that's been good um, since he struggled so hard to start the season, and Ryan Presley's been dominant all year. You've got the three guys you signed, and, and you got Phil Hughes. I mean, so there's not a whole lot of room right now, and, and guys are starting to pitch well. And, and given where they were a week ago where they couldn't find a start to go past five innings, it's kind of shifted things real quick. And, and Gonzalez, I think, Gonzalez, uh, you probably have to let him just keep riding it out. Um, I, I, I think he's a guy that can benefit. There was a lot of talk about how he needed to learn the, the you know, how to work fastball command, how to make sure that he's pinpoint, because he doesn't have the overwhelming stuff that, you know, say a Fernando Romero has. But he, he can be a very effective guy. You mentioned the height. He's a lefty that hits corners. As long as he learns that, that's a great thing. I think he's more a guy that they look at for next year. Um, I mean, obviously things can happen. You're running an eight-man bullpen right now. I wonder how long they can stick with that. Uh, it, you know, Byron Buxton's on the verge of coming back, and you wonder if it's a, a reliever that goes down or if it's uh, a position player because there's just not a whole lot of spots on the bench right now. So, Mm-hmm. It's kind of been a difficult. Uh, they're in a, a rough spot right now. It's a, it's sort of a roster crunch, especially with guys getting healthy. And it's it is a good work problem to have because if you have some you know issues during the year that you need to solve, uh, you know potentially Gonzalez would be a, a trade chip just because you got some guys lower in the system that you like, and you might have Michael Pineda for next year's rotation. So you you probably have some some good depth, and that's never a problem for a team. Then is a Buxton going to come right back, or is, is there a chance he still gets uh, sent out for an, an assignment before he joins the big league club? I mean, they really have been kind of, uh, I don't know, they've, they've sent mixed messages on it. Paul Motter's even suggested that it's possible that he skips it, uh, a rehab assignment. Given that he hurt himself on a rehab assignment, I don't think that they would necessarily have a problem just throwing him in there. I mean, obviously the bat is going to be behind because it's been a month, but... I think they like the energy that he brings. I think they like the dynamic he brings to the outfield and putting Max Kepler back in right field where he's more comfortable, even though he's looked pretty good in center field. I I wouldn't be surprised if they activated him tomorrow. Hey, how much now, uh, in retrospect, do do we or should we attribute that bad start to a weird month? And how how much was it just bad play? Because... You know, I, I saw basically after the game uh, yesterday, there were a lot of players talking about the fact that it was cold out, that they had, what, four random off days when, when that White Sox series got delayed. How much now do you look back on that and say that that, was, that start was a byproduct of just a really odd month? I, honestly, I thought it kind of all along. I mean, I've seen this happen before with the 2015 White Sox where they had eight of their first 26 days off. And there's just, it's impossible to develop a rhythm and you're playing in cold weather and you're, I, I, I think that you look at how good they were that first week when they were actually playing somewhat consistently and they were, they were seven and four and eight and five through Puerto Rico and even going to Puerto Rico, I think you can 
count um, as as part of it because there's a day off on either side of it. The games were different. It was a kind of the way it was treated was sort of like the uh, MLB playoffs where uh, there's no access before games, which I don't know that necessarily affects players, but you know players are doing press conferences as opposed to just talking to reporters in the clubhouse and. Um, it was just a strange month, and and I really do think that there's something to it. You can't really pinpoint anything specifically, but they just looked like they were in a funk the entire time, and especially when they got on that roll. I mean, I think the timing of the Yankees was awful. You you just you're playing poorly. You have a rough series in Tampa, and then you go to a place where you always kind of suck, and all of a sudden it snowballs, and um, it's it's funny because they've awoken this last five days and looked like that team in the first month. And it's not that you necessarily think that they've lost that, but you wonder if they're ever going to rediscover it again. And and they got in such a slumber and you wonder it's such a game of confidence that it can get in your head and you wonder if they'll figure it out again. And and then all of a sudden a, a hit falls in and, you know, they make a nice play and, and, get a few good starts in a row and, and everybody remembers and then it gets on a roll the other way. And, um, it, it's it's a good sign for them. They need to keep going with it because all they've proven is they can get back to 500 or close to 500 right now. And This is a big series this weekend in Anaheim too. I mean, you, can, you can thank the Indians. for the Indi- There's no 500 team in the division right now. You can thank the Indians for leaving the door open. And like if the Indians had gotten off the same start that some of the other division leaders had gotten off to this little mini surge would still feel like a canyon between them and playoff contention but here they sit and i hate scoreboard watching in may but it probably feels good if you're in that clubhouse and you're and you just weathered this disastrous 10 and 17 start and now you're like a game out of first place like mentally that matters absolutely they're they're ahead of them in the loss column which is crazy to think given that the twins lost 12 and 14 the indians have had a tough time bullpen wise dealing with the loss of andrew miller which you knew that Andrew Miller was was a kingpin kind of in that bullpen for them, but you, I don't know that you expected. It's been such a great bullpen the last couple of years. You didn't know that maybe this would kind of fall apart the way it has, and the Indians have just struggled. I mean, the offense isn't quite as good as it has been in the past. and uh, The whole division, obviously, is, is pretty awful. But, yeah, absolutely, when you look at the fact that you're where you are, having suffered through that, that's confidence building. And when you look at the fact that, Sano has been gone for 10 or 11 games, and, and we're at the point where Byron Buxton hasn't played since April 12th. Irvin Santana's still not back, isn't going to be back till June. You look at all that, and you figure you're going to be way out at this point. And when you look up and you're a half game back at this point, um, I, I think that probably gives the guys that are there a ton of confidence. And, and the fact that, you know, Lance Lynn finally had a good start there today after after using some words that we can't use on the radio to describe his April and, and Logan Morrison would probably say the same about himself. And it's been really, really rough for them. And yet here they are in a good spot with a lot of summer to go and a lot of games against some really bad teams in the AL central head. Yes. Dan Hayes from the athletic, the com slash twins, where I, I recommend people should read your full story about Eddie Rosario that you posted uh, a few days ago, just in terms of, uh, the 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 switch being flipped for him this season. Can you shed some light for our listeners on on Eddie Rosario as a hitter and what has gone into the recent surge at the plate? Yeah, absolutely. He would. I mean, he was definitely pull happy, and and he knew it. And they've talked to him about it. He's got such fast hands. He and Max Kepler, their their hands are so quick through the zone that 
when they get out ahead, they pull everything, and, and it's just natural that that happens. And so there's been a lot of work with him to remember to use left field and basically, hey, this is your this is your starting point, left left center. And and it's Joe Maurer where where that's where a lot of his power is. I think the idea is very similar. Let let the ball deeper so you can see better pitches. And we've seen it from Rosario. I mean, he's he's been a little bit out of the zone early on. You could see him chasing bad pitches because he was just trying to do too much and he just basically let the game kind of slow down and, and come to him, and, and he has such good power to all fields that, you know, it doesn't really hurt him to try and wait it out and, and see the pitches more. And obviously, I mean, it's been pretty fantastic lately. It's The power is there. Um, he's not striking out as much, and and he's carried the team. And, and so is Eduardo Escobar, and that can't be overlooked. He's, he gets a lot of publicity because he's so much fun to go along with it, but Rosario is steady, and, and when he can get on a roll, he really is a talented player. And uh, There's been a lot of work. I, the, the Friday of the Reds series, when they had yet another game they gave away, and that's the funny part. You look at this and you think, man, there were about three games they gave away. They could be above 500 right now and in first place. But yep. but that Friday before the uh, the Reds series, he, he went specifically outside with Rudy Hernandez, the assistant head coach, and, and they worked left field, left center, and it's changed everything for him because he has got, I think, about a 1,200 OPS since then, and it's maybe huge dent in the lineup when it's Miguel Sano out of there. Uh, speaking of that, when Snow comes back, where do you play him? Because Escobar's played so well there, and, and he's probably a better th- third baseman than shortstop. Is, is it automatic that Miguel gets third base back, or is there going to have to be a, a decision made here in light of how Escobar's played at third base? I think if uh, Sano is, is back and hitting, that you can't avoid putting him in the lineup. I, you know, Escobar is not as good of a shortstop, obviously, as a third baseman, but I think the way he's hitting makes him valuable enough at shortstop. I mean... There are some shortstops that just aren't as good of a defender, but you you take the bat and the way Escobar's hitting, I think he plays every day too. Um, Adrianza probably shifts back to the the utility spot, and uh, because Sano can be so valuable and that lineup can be so dangerous. If if he is going and Logan Morrison has shown some signs recently, if they can add those guys into what also is already there, uh, it, it can be a very formidable lineup, and it could be a full strength for the first time all season if fernando romero was a human stock how how much should i be buying right now man i mean i think that there's still going to be walks to come i I just think that people will figure out that sometimes he runs into command issues and that's going to happen but there's a lot of positives and and really he's trusting his stuff and blowing guys away and it's really impressive and and the thing that i think is the most really the biggest takeaway is the way that the other guys on the team have responded to it. Uh, there was just a buzz after his start against Toronto in the clubhouse. Everybody was excited. I mean, the move itself alone was the front office saying, hey, look, we know this is a problem. Here's the best guy we have. We're bringing him up right now. And it kind of shook things up to take Phil Hughes out of the rotation and put him in the bullpen. I, I think it instilled a lot of confidence in the team. And, and really, Romero's a confident guy. And, and the combination of the two things is led to two fantastic starts. I, I do think there are some walks, though, that potentially could happen. Um, but at the same time, 
he's a really talented kid. So I'd say it's it's a good thing to to purchase some stock in him right now. Just don't overpay for it. Don't don't go like with the. <laughs> I'm pretty excited, Dan. Route. <laughs> hold off, hold off on the big buys, but but feel confident about the smaller stuff. The other the other one, if you're going to buy stock, I don't think you want to buy stock at the point of like this guy's emergence into the big leagues, two scoreless starts. I would buy Fernando Rodney stock. Like that's a guy oh, yeah. who gave up 15 runs in April last year and then didn't give up a run for two months. And it looks like he might be getting better now. Maybe he just needs, it's possible that when you sign him, you just have to deal with April ramifications and then weather the storm uh, from May going forward. You'll be fine. It's hard to kind of when the whole world or the social media world is yelling that Fernando Rodney sucks and get rid of him. It's kind of hard to, uh, point out the confidence and have people buy it. You know, it's, but the guy has stayed there the whole time steady and, and he just knows he's sort of just this quirky, upbeat guy and, um, he, he trusts in himself. And, and, you know, I think that the, the twins kind of knew what they were getting themselves into. I, I talked to Dad Levine about that in March and he said, look, his agent basically said, hey, He's going to blow a few saves, and as long as you can handle that, he can. And and he knows it. I mean, he's been doing it for a long time, and he really actually has thrown the ball extremely well for, it feels like, two weeks. I mean, even the New York game, you look at it, and he got a little chopper off of uh, Mike or Giancarlo Stanton's bat. Um, Didi Gregorius hit it a little bit harder than that, but he still got a ground ball out of him. And then Gary Sanchez hits a 96-mile-per-hour fastball that was two inches inside off the plate. He guessed fastball. He did not throw a bad ball really that day. He ran into some horrible luck and a long home run. Yeah. Um, it, it happens. He knows how to bounce back from that stuff, and I think that that has been evident in the way he's pitched since then. And the Twins are, you know, that back of the bullpen seems pretty stable right now. Yeah, yeah. It's in uh, there, and then Trevor May is coming back at some point here, so they've they definitely. They've pulled themselves out of it, and now the division is uh, is there. Dan Hayes, theathletic.com slash twins. Great chat. We'll catch you next week, man. See you, Dan. All right, All right guys. Thanks. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, he's if you're he's new. He covered the White Sox for CSN Bay Area for a few years. If you're new to our show and new to Dan, highly recommend following him on Twitter. And it's Dan Hayes MLB on Twitter and following his work on The Athletic. I'm buying a lot of stock right now. See, like you're probably unwise, but I'm buying a lot of Fernando Romero stock. I'm very I mean, excited about like, this. You should have bought Fernando Romero stock before he got called. I might up. have two then. Now I'm just buying more. It's like his buying stock the entire has Romero company. I'm taking over. You bought Enron right at the yeah, peak, right? I'm, I'm taking over the entire Fernando Romero Fernando Romero company. That's right. <laughs> uh, Dave's got questions in about 15 minutes. Mm. If you miss, we had a great Wolves discussion with John Krasinski in the nine o'clock hour. So if you missed that, we're gonna we're gonna replay probably the majority of that in the noon hour too. Mackie and Judd from the TCL broadcast studios. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. And those are some boobs, by the way. Mackie and Judd. Uh... on fifteen hundred ESPN. Minnesota United back in action tonight. LA is the place. LAFC is the opponent. 8.30. That's when you tune in for your pre-match show tonight with Brian Pyatt. followed by kickoff at 9 o'clock with Dan Terhar. United versus Los Angeles FC. All the action right here tonight and all season long on 1500 ESPN. Can I say hat tip to our friend Patrick Royce. I only deserve minor credit for this back in the Royce and Mackey days, but Michael Collins, America's favorite caddy who's on ESPN every five minutes now at these golf tournaments. This, like, Funny, quirky guy. He's got the Dilly Dilly shirt on here. Yeah, which I'm sure he's getting paid for. Okay. We had that guy on our show six years ago, maybe mm-hmm. even before he was at ESPN. 
as a regular contributor just talking golf because he was hilarious. He had a funny Twitter account, and he was his former caddy on the PGA Tour. And now he's like, you can't turn on Sports Center with a golf tournament. He's, I think he's interviewing Tiger Woods he's, right now. He's on constantly too. <laughs> yep. He's interviewing Tiger Woods right Tiger. now. That's oh, hilarious. So eye for talent, that See, Patrick Royce. Yep, all eye he does. for talent. We're like the Pittsburgh Pirates, baby. You, we'll cultivate you, and then you'll go to the Yankees or the Twins. I guess are kind of like that too. At least they have been. Or the Oakland days. Oakland days, Tampa Bay Rays. Yep. You name it. <laughs> Gorgeous stadiums, though. Um, we were talking Eddie Rosario with Dan Hayes. Yep. I'd like this to be a brief little admission segment. The things you've been the most wrong about doing this for a living, whether it's with a pen or with a microphone, where you're out like for us, we're on the air for four hours a day. You know, you've been a writer throughout your life. Wrong. What? What? You're, you're, what wrong. You're taking swings. You're throwing out hot takes. takes right. I'm asking questions. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I'm pretty sure on this show, like two or three years ago, I went so far as saying, not only is it a mistake to call up Eddie Rosario because he's there's he just. A guy who gets on base at a 280 clip in the minor leagues is not going to succeed in the major leagues. Yep. But also that, I think I have a write that down prediction that was he's going to be traded by this new regime is going to figure out that he's a fraud from a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It's top three most wrong I've ever been doing this for a living. He's such a good player, and he's got some of the best hands in the in the league. He's got a howitzer for an arm in the outfield. It's the, Tom Thibodeau might also be on that list. I, was, like, I, I decided wrote, I was. I about just Tom wrote Thibodeau, down but, Tibbs, but I want to say on the record, just to, to be totally clear. Yep, Eddie Rosario, I was so wrong about you two years ago, three, four years ago. It's top three most wrong I've ever been doing this for a living in a decade plus. That felt really good to get off. Do you feel head. better now? Yes, I remember He's those conversations so actually good. when when you said to uh, I think three off seasons ago to trade him. He's also like he's got this un. This sort of unquantifiable clutchness to him, right? Where you know well, that nothing bothers him. It's Yankee Stadium. Yeah, it doesn't he doesn't care. And it's bright lights, and he's like, bleep so? it. I'm going to hit a bomb right now. He's got that aspect to him that I love. So let's see here. Things that I've been wrong about. Let's start with this uh, with this show. Uh, here's a bad one. Charlie Coyle. I was a big Charlie Coyle guy. I was sure that he was going to be... I said... Some East Coast toughness. Yeah, and I... And I Sat here on this show and said, quit playing him at center, play him at wing, and if you leave him at wing, he's going to be a power forward. He's going to be an NHL power forward. He's going to score you a ton of goals. Completely wrong. I wrote Tibbs down. In retrospect, and this is not just me, but it's true, the day they signed Parisi and Suter, I thought if they are not, if they don't win a Stanley Cup, they're going to one for sure. If, you had, if on July 4th, 2012, you had sat here and said, yeah, here's what's going to happen. They're going to go to the playoffs a lot. They're going to rarely win games. They're not going to win. They're going to win a couple series, and they're not going to sniff a Stanley Cup final. I would have said, you're crazy. This is an all-in move. This is the type of move that we long for. Yeah, We lust for these moves here, and it hasn't come close. Um, And then one I didn't question, and I probably should have, and I just sort of allowed it to slide back in, in my Viking beat writer days, Christian Ponder. Wow, I thought Christian Ponder would work. I, I, <laughs> I did too. And, and at first, at first, I did too. And there was, and there was one <laughs> idiots. Do you recall though? There was one, smart, there was one smart guy who immediately came out and said, "It's not going to work. It's a terrible pick." Trent Dilfer. Yes, Trent Dilfer. Go back and look up the quotes. He ripped the pick. Yes, and we're we're all like, "Well, what are you talking about?" He savaged it, and it was not a second guess. It was a immediate guess. Yes, and I was like, "Oh, come on! It can't be that bad." 
It was probably worse. I'm taking credit for not knowing it at the time of the pick, so Dill forgets me there. But I think two starts in, I knew it. It was no. You knew that the, the yes. question was a disaster. This ponder thing is terrible. That quickly? That's good. Yes. I once did a segment. Uh, Corey Roofs and I were doing a show when Royce was out, and I remember doing like a 10-minute open. It was the night after I did the Mystic Lake Casino in-person 30-minute Q&A with Christian Ponder. So just kind of getting to know him a little bit and how he – and he was very good, very, very confident, calm demeanor in that setting, which is totally different than like a football setting. And we did 10 minutes the next day on either you're either a get it guy or you're not. And he's just like, a, he's a get it guy. He's an alpha. He's a get it guy. Hey, well, yeah. he was oh, yeah. in the classroom. <laughs> he, yes. Unfortunately, you put him on a football field and it all fell apart. Another one, too. And this write that down prediction is still on the board. I was very bullish on Oswaldo Arcia like two or three summers ago. Saying if a team gives him at bats, he's going to be a thirty home run hitter. Yes, but you got to give him at bats. Yes. Well, he's getting at bats the last couple of years in the Pacific Coast League. He hit twenty four home runs last year, and I think he's in the Korean Baseball Organization this year, which he's got three right. out the start of the season. So he's getting at. I'm bats. going. I'm going to give you and me a pass on that that one under this rule, Ortizophobia. <laughs> the the by by jettisoning jettisoning Dave Ortiz when the Twins did they passed along a good fifteen year period of Ortizophobia. Yeah, Kenny Vargas, Arcia, all of those guys you looked at in in the years after Ortiz left, and you said, "Well, you're not going to make that same mistake again, right?" I'm still holding out hope. I think at some point he's going to come in. He's only twenty seven years old still. Arcia is going to come back is and just really? be one of those like positionless mashers for some crappy team. He's going to play three or four years for like the A's. He's still only 27? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, he broke in when he was 21 or 22 with the Twins. Seems seems like it's been more years than that. Yeah, he's kind of a space cadet. But Ortizophobia. That was therapeutic. There are are two things in this town that, that are difficult for us. And one is Ortizophobia, and the with the Wolves, it's the fact that 13 years between playoff berths make you makes you appreciate a playoff berth in a league where it shouldn't be that tough. And we should probably actually be asking more questions, but we don't just because they finally made the playoffs. Joe Smithophobia or something like that. Not sure what that would be. It's just when you go that long and you're that bad, you you think a first round playoff berth is great, and you probably don't slow down and say, okay, that was nice, but this franchise might not be on the right course. Yeah. Dave, you got some questions for us? I do have questions for you. Would you like to know what they are? Maybe one of them. It's twins related. How's that? It's coming back next. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.